WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. I mean, I don't want to brag too much, but I do feel like our setup looks relatively professional in comparison to what you would consider. Like, if you look at, um, you know, our best kind of rivals, like, or people that do the same sort of thing as we do, but on a different slant, like Cultaholic or what culture, there's not a massive disparity between the way we produce our content. And bearing in mind, those lot have got massive machines and editing skills and everything else at their, you know, fingertips, not to mention finance. Like, I'm quite proud of that. Because I just think our graphics are pretty shit on. That just comes from graft and learning and more graft and then learning some more. And, I'm, and even now, like I've just done the Tommy Vendetta stuff and I feel like I've learned so much just from doing that, you know. So every single time I seem to pick up a skill and luckily for me with my autistic ways, it stays in my head. So, yeah, cool. I think, yeah, I mean, I think what's, it does look amazing now. And I think what's cool is that there has been a natural um, evolution from when the the podcast started it was completely alien you know you hadn't done anything like it before you didn't have experience in editing audio or any of that stuff so it was all very much new and then as we've gone through and the the actual I guess the mediums have changed in terms of it's been an audio format and then we've broken it down to do multiple podcasts in a week and then we've done a summary podcast like you know state of wrestling address and stuff done manic mondays which has been a very different flavor to it again that required different editing skills and research skills then you started concentrating more on kind of using the youtube um as well teaching yourself with the social media and the photo editing the graphic design everything's kind of come gradually over the course of the four years where it's a case of you've practiced a skill you've learned it uh you've honed it to the point where you can do it really well and then you've moved on to okay now i'm going to add another string to to your bow kind of personally and professionally but also then it, it adds another string to the to the podcast if you like or to the brand because now as well as being available on audio platforms we're on video platforms and okay we're not just going to shove out a hour and a half or two hour podcast in a block on youtube we're going to break it down into chunks so here's just a 15 minute um, you know, video or, or clip of what we're doing or whatever. And it's it's kind of just, I think it, it's kind of organically uh, developed and evolved over time, which has actually been really cool to, you know, to watch and to play a small part of. I think that's been really awesome. And just, we've done things so differently, just the structure of the podcast, because it started off, you know, our podcasts were fucking longer than Raw uh, at the start, because we were breaking down everything that happened on the show. Like, what's, oh, we cover WrestleMania, it was four hours long. Fucking ridiculous length. Like we were both like our throats must have been absolutely destroyed by the end of that podcast because 
it's not like we recorded it over this like over three days. It was just a one shot bang, and it was out, you know it was out. And then we managed to kind of we improved. We learned of actually okay, we don't need to talk about everything. We can actually summarize. We can brush over stuff. There's stuff that doesn't need to be mentioned because it's too terrible. Um, and we can just move on from it. And I think you know we involved we evolved and we improved to the point where we got it nailed on to like we can do this in 45 minutes you know manic mondays was always 45 minutes to an hour and it was done it was it became quick clean and methodical and the state of rest and address was similar you know we always have it done 45 minutes to an hour if we were reviewing an indie show that we went to we would get it done in 40 45 minutes maybe half hour banged out but still do a comprehensive job and i think that's what's and you look at the amount of products as well that we've covered across four years. I mean, not just looking at the change of the wrestling landscape and all that, but we've done New Japan, we've done Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, every WWE pay-per-view type and format, including giant Australian house shows and Saudi house shows. <laughs> we've done... AEW from the beginning before AEW was even a concept. We've done Impact. We've done um, TNA, WWF, WCW, ECW. Um, you know, we've done... WCW, Sin. <laughs> yeah, we have. WOS. We've done just the NWA. There's so many products we've covered. Before we even get to, like, the Brit Rest Indies, Destiny in, in Canada that Carl's covered, and... Um, you know, stuff that was covered in Wisconsin and stuff that's been covered in wherever else, like GCW. And we genuinely have gone across so many companies, big down to the very, very small, very small local indie shows. Like we did OCW that, uh, that you wrestled in. We did a podcast on that show that came from Mevagissi sports center or whatever it was called in front of about eight people all of whom were there because they were family or friends of the wrestlers like it was my just... biggest draw today <laughs> yeah it was it was good but you know what a that was a fucking fun show and yeah. b it just shows like what we've covered we really have covered the full span of wrestling Do you know what i mean i think that's actually something really cool and to be proud of yeah it's like the um the, i think it was the two-year anniversary was like basically on my debut or right next to it because I wrestled on March the 17th and I just I really love like just like if you take the wrestling portion of it away which is obviously fucking amazing for me like it was just lovely to do stuff like that because it's so different like, everyone can talk about progress and everyone can watch Rev Pro but not everybody's going to watch FWW from Mevagissi or you know fucking Renegade from Exeter or you know I like you know I went to see um, Super Fun Wrestling at the Resistance Gallery and the main event was Josh Bowden versus ELP who engaged in a four minute slow motion match. Like, <laughs> just, <laughs> I've, I've lost count. Like, obviously, with 500, you do, you lose count of how much you've covered. But, like, there's not much that we haven't, at some portion, covered in some way or some format, even if it's just audio. Like, me and Nick used to do quite a lot of the cockpit shows. Uh, Alex Delanzo has done a few shows with us. I actually think he's, he's really, do you know what I'm most proud of, actually, from the podcast? It's hard to isolate one thing, but I think it's actually seeing people that we love and care about, like Carl and Alex grow and become really good at their own thing like alex is now doing like loads of like sunday league stuff for podcasts he does his own youtube channel and you know that's still yet to take off a little bit but some of the quite like he showed me um 
a, uh, I don't know if you saw it, he had this uh, Sunday League highlights of this uh, this guy who's a goalkeeper for one of the Sunday League teams, and he spliced it so well. And I just said to him, like, honestly, you don't have to be, like, a massive professional. Like, I'm proof of that. I knew literally fuck all about how to use a computer properly, really, when I started. And when people say to me, oh, my God, you're so good at editing videos now, I was like, yeah, that just took years of graft and learning and most of all, heart and passion. When I see Alex already showing that level of passion, that makes me really proud because I know he's had it tough enough in life. So for him to, you know, take what he's learned from our podcast and then adapt that to his own style is just so fucking... And also someone like Kyle as well, who I'm sure wouldn't mind me saying because he'll be on at some point to chat during this podcast anyway. But like, you know, Kyle really struggled, didn't he? Like when we first met him, he could barely string a few sentences together he was having such a rough time in his life and now when you see him on a podcast you'd think he'd been doing podcasts for years because he's so fluent like you know <laughs> you got someone like jay miller for instance the little bitch who's now officially the new dexter and <laughs> jay miller's like doing his own youtube stuff and that carl comes on and just shreds him like absolutely annihilates him just because he's so confident and so comfortable in who he is now and that's that's fucking awesome knowing that these guys have just become more confident and more happy with everything around them and how they feel as human beings. That's, that's fucking awesome. But if that's like one of like 10 billion highlights, I could tell you. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree because, you know, we, when you go back through when we were doing PVP a few years ago in the earlier days of, of WrestlePlug, you know, people were doing promo videos and these were people who were very shy, who, didn't like, you know, putting themselves out there on social media, didn't have big followings or anything like that, but they wanted to kind of just partake and they wanted, you know, they loved wrestling. This was an opportunity for them to cut a wrestling promo and um, and just have fun with it, you know, and not be self-conscious and not take themselves too seriously. It was actually a very supportive kind of system where everyone was really supporting each other. That looks cool. That was a great promo. You're deliver, you know, and that was a really, really cool time, I think. One of my favourite times to be involved in the podcast just because, it didn't change necessarily what we did or how we did things as we did the podcast week to week, but seeing around on social media, what was going on around us with people just growing that confidence was just really, really cool to see. And as you say, there's so many people who through listening to the podcast or coming on and contributing to the podcast to talk about a show they went to have gone on to do their own thing. You know, like you say with Miller, you know, we had Smiley's gone on to do our own, um, you know, podcast type stuff and Taylor went on to do some podcast stuff and people have just, you know, they've come in and whether they still listen to the podcast or interact with the podcast online or not, you know, people have, have, have kind of come in and done their own thing and gone away. We've had a lot of co-hosts, you know, good co-hosts, some controversial co-hosts. Um, but we've, we've had, uh, you know, I think it, it's been cool that the, the fact that we've had the people that we've had on and we've been able to cover the breadth of stuff that we've covered and some people have then decided to go off and do their own thing in their own way, um, you know, just through gaining that little bit of experience or that little bit of confidence, you know. And I think that's something that, uh, that you know, the podcast has, uh, has kind of a lot to answer for in that respect. So, you know, can be very proud of that. Do you have a favourite, like a podcast where you look back and think, that was a fucking good laugh or <laughs> well, that was a good time? Um, quite a lot, to be honest. Like WCW Sin... <laughs> uh, 2001 Manic Mondays was uh, was a great podcast to do because Shield. that show was so awful and to subject myself to like two and a half three hours of that utter fucking dross but then get to like 
kick off about it on the podcast was really good fun. I thought made for a really entertaining show. Um, the I mean, everyone will come back to Grasshopper Cheesecake. That worked out as being a great podcast, but didn't think much of it at the time, really, because we were just taking the piss out of Dexter. Um, Still not a thing. I th- Sorry, it's just not. It's not. It's not a thing. Shut Lion up. It's just not a thing. Cake. What? What? Fucking only an American is like. Hey, that looks like a grasshopper, man. So we're gonna call it grasshopper cheesecake. Like it's fucking lime, you cretins. I can't have none of it. Bake off. I want to see all Hollywood things. If Paul Hollywood okay's it, then we will accept it. Until then, shut your mouth, Dexter. It's like, what is it? If it's not, if it's so key lime pie, does that become like key grasshopper pie, key cricket pie? It's like it's just key fucking nonsense. Pie money. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. So, yeah, that you know, people come back to that as being a highlight, and that was cool. Some of the, some of the anniversary shows we've done, the Q and A's and stuff. I remember we did a, a cool one where we had um, it was me, you, um, Pete, I think, was on there. Nick came on for a bit. Yeah, uh, sitting in some white van in a car park, tossing himself off. I was going to say Arthur Doom was in a sex store car park, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And he was, um, yeah. and he was talking about. And I remember he, uh, one of my favourite lines ever is when he goes, "Spare sixpence for a cup of tea, governor." And then Nick <laughs> goes, "Oh, that sounds like the worst cup of tea ever." <laughs> like stupid little things like that yeah. make it fun. Like knowing that everyone's and the fact that you've got like one guy in Cornwall, one guy in Portsmouth, one guy in Essex, and one guy in a car park in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's just there's been a lot of really. I, I think I loved covering the May Young Classic, uh, especially the second May Young Classic uh, that we oh, did, where we did every single show and covered that. And it was such a brilliant tournament, uh, filled with so many great matches. Still, some of you know uh, the Mako Satamora matches. Uh, yeah, I think Mercedes Martinez. That she, oh, fucking ridiculous! Like so have good. Seen, um, have you seen Mako Satamora's match recently from NXT UK? She wrestled Kaylee. Uh, I've only I have, I've only seen a couple of clips from it. I've not seen the full match. Yeah, I covered that for the YouTube. But if you can seek it out, or if you can find someone's network to watch it, it was truly it. It actually, when I was watching it, it reminded me of me, me and you were covering Mako Satamora because it was just the same kind of quality match, and I thought. Oh, just, you know, that's a different level of wrestling. That for me is like a next level of how women's wrestling should be presented. So every time I see her, I'm just in awe. And the fact that a woman's like, what, 44, 45 and still wrestles like she's in her early 20s is just mind blowing to me. So being able to cover so many great talents like that is so fucking awesome. Even if they have no clue that will ever exist, (laughs) like that works for me. I don't care. They're fantastic people. I think Evolution, I remember covering Evolution as well, the, the Evolution pay-per-view and the semi-main event, I suppose, although it was the main event in kind of probably both our minds of Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, uh, in that kind of uber-violent last woman standing, beat the shit out of each other with chairs match, which was just so good. Such a good match. Um, and the fact that we had really been kind of really backing the women and, and pushing the women and, and, you know, demanding that they, you know, were given more time on Raw and on SmackDown, really pushing what was going on in NXT where they actually, you know, showcased their women uh, properly. So, yeah, so I think to, to be able to talk about that show, which felt like, uh, you know, a real cool milestone and, um you know, it just kind of felt like it was really just up our street, you know, and we were just kind of made for that moment was it was really cool to cover that. Um, I remember that feeling quite, 
you know, very satisfying and, and quite emotional in a lot of ways. So that was really cool. But, you know, we've been really lucky, man. We've man- we've managed to do podcasts that have covered some really great wrestling moments. Like, you know, we've covered Kofi Mania. We've covered Nicholas winning the tag titles. You know, we've covered um, <laughs> just all kinds of, you know, we've covered great balls of fire. Um, that was we've covered. The most underrated pay per view, I think. Such a good pay per view was the worst really name. Like that had that it's amazing a... match between Braun and Roman, and yeah. even Samoa Joe got Braun the best was match I've seen out of Brock in years. Like, yeah, yeah, good show. That it was a great show with the worst name the world has ever seen. Just the worst name, but what a good show! And you know, we've been able to cover, you know, a lot of you know Shayna Baszler, pretty much the entirety of Shayna Baszler's WWE career through her time in NXT. Uh, you know, kind of obviously you're still talking about it with her being on Raw now with Nia Jax, and you know, I think that's that's quite cool because we Uber fans are Shane, you know, and we've just seen so many great talents and being able to chat about so many great talents, and it's just it's odd, man. I mean, when you think just the context of the world, like we came on in. Beginning of, of, of uh, 2017, you know, it was kind of the very early days of a Donald Trump presidency. Like, we've gone through Brexit in that time. I like, actually left the EU and all that fucking pandemic. Deadly shootings. Jinder Mahal as champion, soothing all of those bad things that happened. Like, it's just been utterly crazy as to what's been going on in the world, what's been happening in wrestling. It's just... It's just nuts. If you'd have said to us in 2017, when we were first doing the um, the podcast, you know, the Hardy Boys had just come back at WrestleMania <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Like, if you had if you had said, you know, we'd have Big Money Matt on this AEW alternative product, um, and that there was somewhere that WWE talent would actively look to jump ship and go to because they're they're going to have the creative control and all that kind of stuff. For all of AEW's flaws and foibles and shortcomings, we would never have believed that would happen. We would never believe that there would be a company that would grow up. I'm not saying they're rivaling WWE. That's you know obviously premature nonsense, but you know can provide what is a really good viable alternative to the WWE uh, product, as well as kind of a supplement to our wrestling diet in a lot of ways. In a way that you know Impact hasn't been for. 10 years you know or or more you know the last time that the impact was you know a real kind of alternative viable alternative to wwe was probably what 2008 7 6 you know when aj style samoa joe christopher daniels were, were all smashing it um so yeah it's it's a real and christian weirdly yeah. um so yeah, it's just it's it's crazy the way that the wrestling landscape has changed over the course of the last four years. Yeah, it's it's really like you know on a, everyone who is listening or anyone who does bother to listen because like obviously the audio format I'll just put it all together, but I'll probably splice quite a bit of the YouTube stuff. It's really hard to like cover all of that without taking up twelve to twenty hours of your time. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, um, it's. It's so weird, like little things and then bigger things like going to Washington and not so not necessarily going to the first dynamite, as cool as that is, but actually more for me, the excitement of knowing that the podcast was 
important enough or we cared enough that I was happy to sit in a hotel room and chat to Dexter and Nick and whoever else was available about, you know, oh, did you see, you know, what happened in Washington last night and chatting about Jack Swagger making his debut as Hager and just random things that shouldn't have meant anything. Like one of my favorite podcasts actually is when I pretended to be Vince McMahon and Taylor interviewed me. Um, I just like rediscovered it, so I thought I'd listen back <laughs> yeah. to it. It's so <laughs> offensive and so sexually unnecessary in so many ways because I really wanted to be a total arsehole. And what was amazing was the amount of people who actually downloaded it thinking Vince McMahon was going to be on our podcast. At the time, it was our most downloaded pod. And then we did another one. And like I remember Taylor's like inbox, like people saying like, Oh, that's not Vince McMahon. That's just your friend pretending to be Vince McMahon. Like the audacity that WrestlePlug would actually have the chance to have Vince McMahon on the pot. Like <laughs> he doesn't even do interviews on the WWE Network, but I'm coming on the WrestlePlug. I was gonna say, like the amount of money you would need to shift, and like I imagine people have offered that guy millions upon millions to come on and speak candidly on a show and he doesn't need to because of the sheer ferocity and so one thing i suppose i should give vince man a bit of love for is his ability to maintain kayfabe like i've just heard apparently have you heard this he's banned leg slapping because he hates it so much you're not allowed to slap i did yeah <laughs> I, I i did hear that yeah it's just Which, uh, i'm not actually against like i know a lot of people are but i'm not against it is overdone yeah, I'd, I don't mind as long as it's done right. I think sometimes it can be a bit dumb. Uh, I saw it on NXT a while back. Santos Escobar had a match with, I think it was Tommaso Ciampa. And Ciampa goes to kick his mask, which is in the corner. He's put his mask down. And he leg slaps as he kicks the mask. I was just like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's... It just why <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me just kick the bars like but i don't know like yeah no i just i mean that's probably something we could cover on state of wrestling address this week we haven't got anything else to talk about um it's weird as well because like as soon as the pandemic kicked in all of a sudden all the great nonsense of wrestling became a, a bit more quieter it's been other than obviously the horrendous things that happened over the majority of last summer it feels like the majority of wrestling news has very much died down there isn't like a great deal for us to rant and rave about you know there isn't massive controversy so actually most of the news topics and the things that are worth talking about come from within the company or the product itself so yeah no i'm i think man in mondays is definitely the highlight for me that's probably my favourite podcast uh, because it's something that both of us grew up with. It's the fact that it was essentially your idea, which is very cool. And then we just fine tuned it as we went. And what I love about those podcasts is that even if we stop doing podcasts a year from now and we never do them again, people can still find those 20, 30 years down the line and then watch those crappy old pay-per-views at their leisure or great pay-per-views, depending on what the product's like, and still have a point of humor and context to listen to it via so they can still check out our podcast. And I just, I love that. Like I still remember you raging about sin and the ferocious nature of having to watch Shane Douglas versus major erection. 
Just fucking nonsense. It was. Like, and then me giving out to Sid Vicious, saying, why aren't you fucking getting up, you lazy piece of shit? Because I'd forgotten that that was the match he broke his leg in. Because the yeah. WWE Network had edited it. And I'm like, you fucking lazy. Get up, you fucking shit. You've taken one bump. And it's like he's laying there with like three compound fractures and double breaks. And I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. Fair do, Sid, you fat bastard. Yeah, it, it's... I really enjoyed doing Manic Mondays and we did them in like really different ways because we put up the votes at first it was to talk about topics weren't it so it was yeah. like yeah, we had two topics covering yeah so different you know I don't know the career of Chris Jericho or something and we were just talking quite general terms and give a few specific examples and then we actually started covering um, shows so going back and putting up shows like polls and that was one of the best things about Manic Mondays was we would both pick two shows each and then we would put it as a poll on Twitter and the fans would, you know, the audience would choose what we were going to cover so they could listen to what they wanted to listen to. You know, if you don't vote, you know, you're not going to get what you want to hear. And um, the fact that we could then actually, it just meant that we had to. So we would both try and choose a shit trolling pay-per-view that we knew the other person would despise and a really, really good pay-per-view that like, we both loved and would be really excited about and just see what the audience wanted us to, to actually cover. And so there was a really good variety and balance between us covering absolute shit. We covered an ECW pay-per-view, which other than... Was that like it was... Um, yeah, it was Two Cold Scorpio and uh, Sabu maybe had an absolute barnstormer of a match. Yeah, Meltzer gave it four and a half, so it must have been. Yeah, it was a great match, but everything else on that show was so awful. Mm. Other, oh, no, I think maybe as well it had Brian Pillman's debut. Yes. And that was the other thing that it had, yeah. Which was <laughs> incredible. I'm just going to piss on you. Starfer <laughs> versus a fat guy in JT Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate it was so bad and wasn't it going to be like um wasn't like new jack supposed to be on the show he was like he'd been arrested or he something arrested the day before. make it so yeah Mustafa <laughs> had to tag with somebody else and i think he, he like yeah and they had like uh oh, they had mr hughes up. on there and he lost in like 20 seconds <sighs> ray dudley i was like oh jesus yeah, yeah, that's right. And that was when it was proper, like, tie-dye, like, the full Dudley family, like, sign guy Dudley and yeah, that all that, that stupid is. crap. Oh, and then I think the main event was, like, Sandman versus Raven, and it was just the worst match you've ever seen. So bad. It, it was, was so bad. Hitting each other with barbed wire, but not actually doing any wrestling. And it went on for, like, half an hour. I think Stevie Richards got involved at one point. Oh, yeah. Didn't Francine get like power bombed onto yeah. some like into, onto a chair or some shit? Like yeah, it's just murder. I was like, oh, that, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it was just really we bad. covered we covered some really bad shows, but still managed to find a lot of hidden gems that you know, even matches that we either didn't remember because we hadn't seen them in so long or had never seen before. Uh, which was really cool. So it was, from our point of view, really cool to actually go and explore back or or even explore for the first time some of these matches and shows and talents, which was something that I really loved. It, Manic Mondays was just a great excuse for us to watch old, great wrestling. 
Like, it was brilliant. And even when we were covering stuff, like, we used to do Match of the Week and stuff like that, where it's just a match we'd watched that we encouraged people to go back and watch from yesteryear, you know, which was great. Like, right, if you're going to watch one match this week, we advise you to go back and watch whatever. Like, and we have matches from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the right up to date, you know, CM Punk matches. That was always a really cool segment I like doing. Yeah, I was thinking about, like, because we really started championing indies, and I think one of the things that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, especially for you, was when you started going to reach shows, and then we started doing those on the podcast, and that was mostly you, to be fair, and I've always really liked, and I always made a point of that whenever we did interviews with those guys of always mentioning you, because I feel like we wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't for you, because obviously when you move down to Cornwall, like, you know, there's not as much, you know, I live in Portsmouth, and now I live obviously over Kentway and there's still plenty of wrestling around me or I can get to London quite easily for you it's like well you can go and watch Reach and CPW and possibly if you're really feeling it DWA but you know those are shows that are maybe once every couple of months if you're lucky Um, and then we covered that first Reach show and they were so fascinated that we were interested in them and then we just continued to cover them and that just really instead and that was what really helped open the door for more long-term interviews because I'd already dabbled and tried to get interviews, but getting like all the reach roster on and making friends like, you know, Joey seven still messages me every now and then to check in on me and see how I'm doing. Like that's, that's the quality of that man right there. Like he doesn't have to, if he doesn't want to, but he does. And yeah, just like, even though we don't really watch much of reach and obviously there's nothing going on right now, although they should be starting shows again soon, pandemic uh, willing. It's kind of cool to know that like, that big kind of relationship that we formed with other independent promotions was really spurred on by the fact that you were just like, yeah, I'm going to go and watch this wrestling promotion because I'm fed up with all the other fucking promotions stitching me up. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed going and watching uh, reach and even going and watching uh, CPW to give them their, their dues. Um, as much as it became kind of a toxic atmosphere there and, and everything else, it, you know, it was an excuse to go and watch good wrestling and they managed to get in some decent talents from, from around the country and, um, and whatever, you know, Joseph Connors and people like that onto the show. Pete, they had Pete Dunn down, not that I saw him. I went to the show straight after Pete Dunn had been there, uh, which was annoying. Um, Jimmy Havoc I saw and, um, yeah, like uh, Mark Haskins. Problem is now when you talk about Brit rest and you're starting to list off yeah. talents that you saw, you don't know who you can actually mention because you've got no idea who's a predator anymore. <laughs> like that's the problem. Um, although you know, Haskin seems a, a decent sort, but yeah, it's it's just um, that was cool and that was kind of a way in. And then because of one of the CPW shows I went to, Grayson uh, and Jason were both wrestling and they were both wearing Reach T-shirts. That kind of I was like, All right, well let's find out what this Reach is then and found out it was a show that was going on in, in Plymouth. And I was like, right, I'm going to start going there, see if it's any good. Um, cover it for the podcast because it's, you know, another set of people we're talking about. We're both passionate uh, about independent wrestling and how important it is. Um, you know, ultimately it creates a, uh, a production line. It It's accessible for fans. It's more options for fans to go to because, you know, WWE comes over here to the UK, you know, a couple of times a year to do a miniature tour where they visit, five eight cities you know and the tickets are ludicrously expensive it's not accessible for all the wrestling fans in the uk uh, to go and watch what is essentially other than one raw and one smackdown 
a bunch of of house shows you know um and you know obviously impact hasn't been over here in years and AEW njpw does one crossover show with rev pro a year uh in the uk and stuff so actually seeing the trying to kind of go out and, and watch wrestling and good wrestling can be difficult and brit rest obviously went for a real spike and a real hot spot which kind of coincided really with the podcast coming out and um yeah, it's just, it was important to us, I think, to cover that and to try and, and showcase the fact of it's worth going. And tickets are usually, you know, 10 to 15 quid for a ticket. Um, you know, for an adult, it's cheaper to take kids as well. And we wanted to put over the fact that these talents were there. And, and like we always said, you never know. You never know who you're going to see and where they're going to pop up. You know, you can go and watch someone at a pretty poor you know what you think overall is not necessarily a great show at the cockpit for, uh, for rev pro and suddenly they're popping up in njpw with a prominent role or you're going and watching someone for progress or whatever and suddenly they're wrestling for wwe or they're in nxt uk or whatever it might be so um and i think we've been born outright in that it's just unfortunate obviously with the pandemic will have had a massive detrimental effect on brit rest and obviously everything that went on last summer with the speaking out movement so much of it was centered around the UK wrestling scene, unfortunately. Um, and a lot of talents who both of us have been fans of their in-ring work and have been kind of conned by them as much as anyone else. You know, you're, you've got to lose those talents. You've got to get rid of them. So it's, uh, it's going to be very difficult for companies to restart with any great luster going forwards because there's a lot of work they need to do to kind of win back the trust of the, of the fans as much as anything else. Um, but yeah, no, I loved going to Reach and, and I'm looking forward to being able to get back there because I love the way that they brought in talents for exhibition matches. They had their regular main roster talents who were doing the majority of their storylines and they had an undercurrent and determination to bring through Academy talent and say, you know, you're going to have what is essentially an exhibition match, but we're going to do it in front of a larger audience because you need that experience. We're going to let you cut your teeth and um, you know, start to bed in more and more of that academy talent. And obviously during the pandemic, when the rules allowed, they were doing the, the stuff in Unit 10, mm. trying to put shows on for YouTube, uh, some good stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I like Reach. I like the people involved. They're passionate about, you know, about wrestling and providing a really good wrestling product for this part of the world. It's, they're ambitious. And they're not just trying to say, look, you know, we want to kind of make some money here and hopefully we can fuck off to NXT UK and leave this area hanging. You know, it's <clears throat> they really want to do well and they want to do right by the fans who have not always had the best options. So, um, yeah, I like them. I think they're, they've, they're a good promotion. They book well and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to it when it's safe to do so. Yeah, I love Reach. Like We're very lucky in the sense that the majority of people with Reach remained quite... The isolation, weirdly enough, of being down in Cornwall, I think, helped kind of keep them away from a lot of the stuff that broke out during speaking out and things like that. And, like, that's, you know, obviously... I'm not saying it's a good thing that the only reason that there's nothing going on down there for the most part is because they're isolated. But at the same time, like it meant that, you know, a lot of, and also we were very much in contact with some of the younger talent, weren't we? The academy talents, people who were just coming through like LA Taylor and, yeah. Reed and Joey Seven and just good people, good, honest people for the most part. Um, PJ Jones is still a little bit suspect at the best of times. Um, 
<laughs> I love him dearly. Um, I just love how candid and hilarious he is. And I know he's like your favorite wrestler. And I just think PJ Jones is like the ultimate evolution of you. Like I do feel like you two are related in some form or fashion. Um, but I just, I'd love all the interactions <laughs> and <clears throat> the dumb humor. And what's lovely about that is so many shows, people think they're a part of it, but they're not. But actually you do genuinely feel like you are, part of a family when you go and watch reach and they'll treat you with a bit of respect like when we went to the show together the only show we got to see together the thursday night reach two and you know joey seven spent such an amazing amount of time just standing there chatting with us having a drink and you know people were constantly coming over and checking in like it actually mattered that our podcast was covering them like they don't have to give a shit there's nothing that says that jason and grayson have to give a toss if we cover their show or not but they were actually genuinely i like to think passionate about what we had to say about their products because we were more than happy and also i love the fact that we were out in front you know we were covering things down there when everyone else just had no interest whatsoever and even if the podcasts were controversial it always felt like people were taking aim at wrestleplug and taking an interest in what we had to say because we were the only ones who really gave a toss properly gave a toss about covering it and it's easy to jump on the bandwagon like wrestling with Jonas. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things. Like, it's great that guys like him then jumped on and started interviewing more talents and bringing his power in because ultimately, I don't care if WrestlePlug gets more traction from covering Reach. It's nice if we get more listeners. But ultimately, every time I do an interview, I want to know that after that, more people are going to know who that person is and want to check in with that person and follow their career because my enjoyment comes from the creative side of things, learning it, like the one I've just done, you know, knowing that I was looking at my graphics this morning thinking, wow, those are really good graphics. Like that's come from years now of just learning and doing other interviews. And like when I do interviews now as well, I'm so quietly confident. Very rarely am I ever like, oh my God, oh my God. So like I was with Josh Alexander, I was shit in my pants. Because I was like, oh my God, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. man, man crusher. And I was like, oh my God, he's so hot. Like I was freaking out. <laughs> um, but normally, like for instance, like, I spoke to Kira Kamari yesterday and we just like chatted like a couple of mates just pissing around. And I think just... I love the fact that when people speak to us, they know that we're not just a couple of dumb smarks or idiots. Like we're people who genuinely care about this business and have, you know, delved our toe in in whatever region. Like, you know, like when you're on that um, documentary for Reach, like that really spoke volumes about, and also that felt like a just reward because for the most part, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that people probably see me as like, the face of WrestleClub, but I've always believed it's been both of us. Yeah, definitely. And... I think when you were asked to go and like, you know, discuss reach with that, that was such a cool thing for me personally, because I thought good. Cause that's, you know, Steve's the one who put in the work and made reach a big thing on this podcast. So that's something that he should have an opportunity to do. And that's cool, isn't it? Cause when we were at uni, you didn't think ever we'd be afforded an opportunity to like chat on, you know, mainstream platforms about anything or get to talk to wrestlers. They seem so far away when we were younger, they seem like, entities you weren't allowed to touch and now it yeah it does almost feel like we've got you know we're just peeking around the curtain a little bit and going hey guys like we're here if you want us to you know help boost you or whatever so yeah it's it's been amazing to be fair i <laughs> i'm just trying to think of like all the memories and like just they just come flooding in all the interviews i've done like i've i've been so lucky to talk to so many awesome people couple of terrible people as well <laughs> for the most part actually i've been really <laughs> 
I'd say 98% of my interviews have worked out well and have never been with anybody who's got, you know, a bad reputation or anything like that. And I'm very proud of that. And I'm very proud of the fact that it's grown people's platforms and things like that. I love having people like Aurora on. I think she's fucking awesome. I, I loved having PJ Jones on. I think he's one of the most untapped talents that I've ever known. I can't believe someone of PJ Jones' talent yeah. isn't a big deal because he is. And you speak to him and he thinks he's rubbish. He's like, maybe that's why. Like, you know, it's kind of, it's a good thing that you're humble. Mm. At the same time, you've got to have a bit of confidence in this game. And it's, I think it's fucking cool that, so many of those people you know and a lot of them contacted me and said hey do you mind if i come on your podcast like that speaks to the amount of work both of us put in and the passion you know the guys from reach a lot of them were happy to come on because of the work you in particular have put into going to those shows and covering them so yeah this show doesn't work without you mate get your ass back on it (laughs) (laughs) i'm a very very busy man and also i have to say to beautiful children how dare you (laughs) I have to say that my my love of wrestling has definitely been affected or negatively impacted after the speaking out thing last year. Like I was still watching, uh, you know, I was still religiously watching NXT. I was still watching AEW Dynamite at that point, and I was still, you know, I was preparing for us to do Manic Mondays, going back back and watching yeah. stuff and enjoying it. And then when that news broke over the summer it just completely took the wind out of my sails. And I was like, you know what? I just, I need to take a break away from it. I need to to sort of step back from watching it because actually uh, it was just kind of having that negative impact there, not sort of on me mentally where it's like, am I just watching, you know, is this another pedo that I'm celebrating? Like I, you know, in terms of being specific, then I've been to indie shows and covered great matches um, bought merch from and you know spoke very glowingly on the podcast about David Starr and then it turns out obviously you know David Starr is maybe somewhat of an unsavory individual um, I'm being completely con because I was you know I was back in the We the Independent movement and all that kind of stuff in a very vociferous way and then it was just like oh shit like yeah. okay so if that person is, you know is con me and obviously there there were a lot of others as well unfortunately um that again you know we watched we were fans of we spoke about positively on on the podcast when talking about their matches that makes you go oh shit like i don't know if who i'm watching is actually just a massive predator or a massive fiend so um yeah it was just a really it just kind of made me fall out of love a little bit with with the industry and I can now dip back in in bits and pieces, you know, on YouTube and watching, you know, bits of stuff. Um, and I can enjoy it up to an extent. It's kind of building back up a little bit, uh, that, you know, some time has passed and stuff and kind of being away from social media has helped, I think with that as well. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's definitely kind of just knocked the wind out of me a little bit when it came to my actual fandom of wrestling, because it was just such a majorly, uh, depressing i suppose it was just so shocking and so depressing that some of our favorite talents were you know sierra loxton etc uh who were coming forward to talk about what had happened and just being like oh shit like it just yeah really took the the wind out of my sails and my kind of love for love for wrestling but it is it is slowly building back so Hopefully I'll be able to come back and at least we can get some Manic Mondays done because I need to actually watch the rest of the... I started doing the pay-per-views for... I've done all the pay-per-views actually for 99. That's what we've got to do, isn't it? Yeah, Manic yeah. Mondays yeah. for 1999. It's out there now. Edit it out. Edit it out. Any of you still listening? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, so I've, I have actually got those pay-per-views already kind of in the bank. I just need to kind of write up some notes for us to, to chat about and do some yeah. the extra research. But it's just it's just good. finding the it's just finding the time in our busy schedules. Yeah, the ironic thing is, I I've always said that even but, if yeah, I'm... no, we will we will get on. Sorry, carry on, mate. There's a bit of a delay. So. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, I was, I was just, um, I was just saying, we will, you know, I will come back on and do some stuff, probably Manic Mondays, rather than talking about the current product as much as I used to, because I think um, Kyle at the moment probably covers that. I mean, obviously not better than me, but he's in a better position to do it. He's obviously not better than me, but he's he's passable. If you're watching, Kyle, you'll never be as good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. Uh... I enjoy the fact that so many people stepped into the fold and I've never been ignorant to the fact that I feel like for the most part, everyone's done a great job, but you know, it's always been the livelihood and the heartbeat of this podcast has always run through Steve. And, um, you know, that's not to say that Dexter didn't do a great job. Dexter will be chatting, lending his own thoughts if we can pin him down at some point, but you know, Dexter kind of jumped in and helped me get it started. And then Steve kind of just took it to an entirely new level, you know, and even Dexter would admit that. And Dexter was very happy to get away from the podcast eventually. It's it's kind of cool because, and also kind of sad in some ways, like it's lovely to see that you've grown so much as a person, you know, because I've always seen you as like a, a more mature and much more sorted version of me in many ways. I've, I've always considered, <laughs> even, though, even though I'm older than you and much larger than you in every sense, particularly in girls, <laughs> I, um, I've always felt like you're my older brother because you've been able to offer me advice and keep me in check and also offer me a stability and a well-grounded mentality. So, you know, seeing you grow even further and become a father and things like that and obviously for anyone who's interested in that we did actually have you on recently to chat about you know being a father and it was pretty much no wrestling involved in that which was nice Mm. um it is kind of cool to know that there are more important things than wrestling it's weird actually wrestleplug taught me that very uh very early on that after a while because you know you you're gonna get hate you're gonna get nasty comments you're gonna get people disagreeing you might even get litigation if you're lucky. <laughs> and um, I've got, and I've literally got about 450 cease and desist at some point or another from WWE or high spots for using their content on our social media. And you think, come on, in this day and age, surely you appreciate the extra rivals, but never mind. It's not like we're making money from it. Um, but that kind of taught me, yeah, wrestling isn't the be one end all. And although it's amazing and it's cool seeing you, for instance, become a father and then, you know, take on such a great challenge like that. And then seeing Kyle obviously take on a new job and Jeremy Miller, God forbid, having more children. Um, stop repopulating America, Miller. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, cool, everybody's like, you know, grown as people and they're finding other and even like Alex, for instance, he still wants to go and watch Brit rest with me and that, but you know, he's the same as you. It really hurt him to see people he loved and companies that he was passionate about almost stab him in the back. You know, me and Alex used to love Rev Pro, for instance, and we don't feel like Rev Pro has slighted us, but the Josh Bodum incident hurt people. Then there was the Brit rest stuff that was going on. There was, just unsavory accusations levied at people like me. Um, you know, I haven't been immune to anything. And I've watched the whole thing on this tiny little bubble of mine. And it's been actually quite thrilling 
to learn and grow up with it because it's taught me a lot about life, about how social media isn't as important and the world of social media should not be taken seriously. And it's taught me that just because somebody wants to make allegations against you or makes accusations or even just sends you hate mail on a regular basis, you know, you have to learn that those people aren't a great, <clears throat> they're not a good shining example of what the real world's like. This is all a very different and almost unreal world. And that's basically what wrestling has always been. That world away from the real world it's really hard to comprehend that wrestling isn't real in a lot of ways because we've made it such a huge part of our lives yeah i mean we we have and i think um i, I do think it's important sometimes to step back and and just to realize that if you're not enjoying something and we've said it over the years quite a few times and we've been recording the podcast of you know we went through a period where we just stopped talking about wwe other than nxt because it was so bad that actually just watching it was so boring or so, you know, irritating that it was just kind of, we're just sitting there going, we're wasting hours of our lives watching something that we're not enjoying, that we know we're not going to enjoy just for the sake of talking about it um, on the podcast. And because we're really unenthused, the podcasts weren't even as good as, as we know we can do because there was no uh, kind of passion there at all. It was just like, yeah, we watched it, you know, it wasn't great. So why are, we, why are we doing it? There was just negativity associated with it. And, you know, JR on, on his podcast uh, that he does with Conrad is, you know, one of the things that he says is he doesn't have room for negativity in his carry-on anymore. Like, he, he's not carrying around other people's baggage. He's not going to, you know, he's got enough to kind of uh, carry around with him without kind of constantly having negativity all the time. So when he gets hate and people saying how shit he is or whatever just you know i've not got space for that i've not got space for that in my life i've not got space for that in my brain just move on like just ignore it kind of thing and if something is just causing negativity step away from it and you know that's what i've done with social media not because i was getting loads of hate or anything along those lines but just because the amount of hate you see that was going on you know whether it was because of speaking out or whether it was because of black lives matter stuff and people were just outing themselves as fucking racists all over your feeds and timelines and stuff like that and you know just various other stuff that was going on it was just like this is just it's a distraction it's not even a welcome distraction like it's unpleasant every time you log on it's so toxic and i think wrestling has got that in it i think that's the, the kind of the, one of the dark underbellies of wrestling is is not only the kind of the as we found out the more predatory nature of some of the people involved in in the business including fans let's not forget you know the stalkers that turn up at Sonia Deville's house. Uh, let's not pretend fans are immune from from that predatory nature, but just the general toxicity of <clears throat> this weird tribalism that exists where if you enjoy an episode of AEW Dynamite, that means you hate WWE and you don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, it means that you hate Roman Reigns and you think that he made up having cancer. Or if you enjoy you know, an episode of NXT or you enjoy an episode of WWE, you're some NXT, WWE, you know, shill or Mark who sucks Vince McMahon's dick and, you know, hates AEW and all other wrestling. And it's like, it's just, it's not true. Like, there's just the weird extremes that exist of you can't enjoy multiple things. <laughs> like, you can't like what you like. You can't have an opinion of your own without someone jumping in and being like, fuck you, your opinion is wrong. It's impossible. You can't have a wrong opinion. That's not that's not a thing. Uh, you can have a different opinion. You can't have a wrong opinion. So, um, 
yeah, I just, you know, I think there is a problem within the wrestling fan base of just extraordinary toxicity that needs to sort itself out. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Is there anything you want to talk about while, while we've got you? Because obviously we don't get a chance to chat much. So is there anything you want to throw out there? Um, well, you know what? Well, we'll, we'll do sort of, we will get to doing a, a Manic Mondays at some point um, because that is the, the great era of wrestling. And it's been some of our kind of best, I think some of our best content has been Manic Mondays, but, and I'm sure all the other kind of co-hosts will say when they come on to, you know, suck your meaty dick that, um, that, you know, essentially you're the one who's put in the work, you know, 500 episodes, you know, I've probably done 300, 250, something like that. That's pretty, pretty um, impressive in its own right, to be fair. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> a lot of podcasts. Like 10. <laughs> I mean, I think what the way in which you've got to 500 in four years is the fact of, I mean, there was periods where we were churning out five podcasts in a week, like, yeah, because we were covering so much. We were going to so many indie shows and giving them their own podcast. We were watching WWE and, you know, there was Manic Mondays and there was impact and there was wos and there was may young classic and there was just so much so many products going on and pay-per-views being thrown out there um and fucking house shows i mean we did was it was it 2017 where they did like there would be a raw pay-per-view and then two weeks later there's a smackdown pay-per-view and then two weeks later there's a raw pay-per-view it's like oh my god we were like, stop the content. It was weird because, like, it's balanced. I feel like it's balanced itself out because as it went on, there were like weeks where we only had like one or two podcasts, like, you know, a fortnight, which was quite good in some ways, I suppose. But it's weird. It's a weird thing because I've noticed, like, you know, like our YouTube channel is kind of the most predominant place for content now. And that's where I've realized instead of bombarding everybody's ears with, you know, because some people said, oh, can you like, you know, release that as an audio. And I think I don't want to do that because then we get into ridiculous numbers territory, like Raw, SmackDown, NXT, MLW, AEW, like that just, you know, it gets ridiculous then. Then you're talking like eight audio podcasts a week. And the, the ironic thing is when I first started, it used to be really difficult to get audio podcasts out on time because I would spend so much time combing through them. And then obviously when you came on, it was like, oh, oh, okay, I don't actually have to edit out all the shit because he can talk fluently. Very nice. No offense, Dexter. Um, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, like, now I can do an audio podcast, like, rapid. Now, all of a sudden, the challenge is, okay, how well can I edit the YouTube stuff? And I feel like I've got that down now, but it's nice because I feel like that's kind of the pinnacle of what we do. Um, <clears throat> but it is kind of weird because it's like 500 in four years is a lot. But then again, when you think four years is a long time, but so what? I mean, if you've got 365 days a year, just kind of spitballing with very shit maths, you're essentially saying that, you know, it's just, what, 700 plus days over a couple of years. So that's like 500 podcasts in 1,400-odd days is <laughs> quite weird in its own right. You're like, wow, when you put it that way, that's like I've basically spent a third of the last four years making sure there is content available for somebody to watch or listen to. And that doesn't include yeah. all the extra videos now that go thundering into the YouTube channel, which is, you know, luckily growing. And it's it's so wild, like all that. And I've done all of it, literally all of it. Not once have mm. I not been on it. And I don't know if that's because I have some sort of micromanaged fucking... <laughs> like, I must fucking watch everything. But like at the same time, like 
don't get me wrong, you know, if guys want to start doing it themselves or whatever, but I guess I'm the only one stupid enough and miserable enough and lonely enough to do all the editing. So, you know, and that's, I, to be honest, I enjoy that anyway, because all the skills you see now, all the people who have worked with me or paid for my art or content now and commissions and things of that nature, that's all because instead of, you know, just kind of taking it easier for fuck it i'll learn it as i go and actually the reward for me not only being able to talk to my mates was actually being able to just sit down and learn things you know looking back and i being able to now sit back on our brand new pc and think nice <laughs> holy shit like the first graphics were me getting a jpeg getting the awful smart plug logo and then just slapping it on the top and be like ha ha and it was just smart plug and impact font lettering Whereas now it's like we've got like merging fucking, you know, we've got a sports bar around us now. Like, <laughs> so random that we've gone from one extreme to the other. And that's all just been from work and fun. It has been fun. Like, I'm not going to lie, for the majority, there's been a couple of times where I have genuinely thought, I cannot fucking be bothered with this bullshit. And when you, you know, people are online and telling you that you're a horrific human being or trying to make up just ridiculous rumors that, you know, yeah, I might look terrifying, but anyone knows I'm a right fucking puff. So, like, you know, the idea that anybody would slander me in that way was shocking but for the most part 95 percent of it has been 99 percent, to be fair has been really fucking fun and a real experience in learning who i am as a person as well and actually finally growing up which is alarming when you've you know you're 36 and it's taken this long to become some form of adult and still trying ah mate ain't we all like i mean i'm doing my quick maths there right there's what 52 weeks in a year so in four years there's 208 weeks so 500 episodes in 208 weeks now it is two or three uh, between two and three episodes um you know a week on average it's not like we've just churned stuff. no I, i mean i don't think so i think i think we went through a little period where we weren't enjoying the product so maybe the podcast wouldn't quite have have been up to our standard but i don't think that they weren't bad they weren't terrible they just and then we recognized that and went right let's just not cover that and i think we brought impact in to replace it so we didn't drop necessarily massively on the amount of content we were putting out we just changed what the content was to try and make it better and to try and make it more entertaining you know for us and for uh you know and for the people who were listening and watching i think Again, there wasn't a lot of people covering Impact when we started jumping into it. And now Impact and teaming up with uh, AEW is really, really odd. You know, I think we've just had some really cool ideas. And I think we've, we've managed to, um, you know, mostly you've had those cool ideas. And I think we've just managed to, to adapt and evolve what we're doing over time. So to say, you know what, actually, um, you know, rather than putting something out for every single show, let's condense it down and do a state of wrestling and just do kind of an overview where we touch on Raw, we touch on SmackDown, we touch on NXT, um, we touch on Impact, we touch on Indies, we talk about general wrestling news and what's going on around the world and big kind of talking points and have a bit of a laugh. And I thought that was, you know, a really good premise that worked for us and it worked in our schedules and it enabled us to do more indie content, which was kind of our driving passion at the time. And and we've done, there's a lot of stuff that we've done, you know, and WrestleMania to Wrestle Kingdom, we've literally covered it all. I remember Ray talking about Mr. Juicy on, <laughs> you know, from NPW, like Melbourne City Wrestling, like the amount of 
weird and wonderful and obscure promotions, you know, 4FW, promotions that don't even exist anymore, yeah. that have gone out of business, uh, unfortunately, that we've covered from all around the world is genuinely crazy. Yeah, I'm amazed at how quickly the landscape changes. I remember covering Super Fun Wrestling and I was really lucky. I sat in the front row. Some of the cool people we've met, we've made a family, haven't we? And like uh, Ian and Alex and Tanvir and all the gang that I used to go to Red Pro with. us amazing photos on our Facebook page. We used to have Smart Plug selfies because we used to be called Smart Plug. And, you know, it's it's so weird because i remember super fun wrestling sitting in the front row of ian and every show right ian ian's not a wrestler he used to be a big wrestler fan. he's not so much now he's always been he's a he's basically a professional baker so every show he would bring like freshly baked cakes or cookies or whatever or brownies or whatever awesome. yeah well, like such a lovely human being with such a big heart and, you know, somebody who suffered so badly with anxiety and, you know, socialising with people. And, you know, I, I will never, ever take credit for that. And whenever somebody says to me, like so many of them will say, oh, you know, thanks to you and your podcast. And I think, no, like, I, it's nice that you use the podcast, but never discredit yourself and how much work it takes from an inner perspective to be able to be a better human being. But that show had like Zybrook sides. Um, it had Josh Bodum, Jesus, uh, ELP, who's now in like NJPW, Zybrook sides in NXT UK. You know, it had uh, James Castle, you know, talents of that nature. And you just, and that was just some pokey, dumb little promotion that some guy wanted to run by himself. And they never got to do another one because of surprise financial problems or whatever, because so many people don't seem to realize what goes into running a show. Like the premise of it's quite easy, but financially is the most difficult thing, making sure that you have everything in place. And Lord knows we've had to deal with a lot of that and seen it from behind the curtain a little bit more than we would have liked. Um, but like, you know, <clears throat> there are things that if I mentioned them, people will be like, oh God, like Renegade and stuff like that. But I'm not going to look down on that too much. There are a lot of mistakes made and it was really unfortunate, but it also afforded me an opportunity to achieve dreams and not just be fat guy who talks about wrestling, but fat guy who gets in there and gets his ass handed to him by a suspiciously looking prison convict named Austin Drake. So, you know, things like that were fun. You know, breaking my ankle in front of my best friend and my partner, you know, on my debut, and then not realizing it and trying to wrestle on it for three months and then having to, like, you know, heal it up and winning a Royal Rumble in front of my friends who had flown over from Australia. And he hadn't obviously flown out just to see me, but he took, you know, he's only over here for a week and a half and he spent time coming to see me wrestle because he felt that that was important enough and he wanted to see his friend wrestle. And I just thought, you know, and all of that's because of the podcast, all of it, like even wrestling training and stuff like that. And he took that up because I bumped into people like Rishi Ghosh and, he was like, you're massive, be a wrestler, that'd be a lot. And I thought, well, I'll give it a go. I may as well give my dream a little go. And I don't think I'll ever, you know, get to a point conditioning-wise where I'm good enough to be wrestling regularly anyway. And I don't think that was really my intention. My intention was to actually, from the start, understand the business more and respect it more and appreciate it more and know what goes into it. And I, I genuinely think that's really nice because when I talk to wrestlers now, I understand what they go through, just a microcosm of it, you know, and that gives me what I believe is a slightly 
different credibility to other podcasters because at least they know well this guy's fucking taking the bumps he's taken steel chairs he's you know he's done the fucking work and he's gone through those horrible decks of cards and cardio sessions that you have to do and the conditioning and knows the politics and I feel like it lends an edge to our interviews as well and our interviews are really popular and I really believe a lot of that is down to the fact that I just love and respect the people who do it regularly, the people who have, you know, come before me and the people who have come after me who have done it better, obviously. And I love it. I do. I do love it. And it's nice that I'm finally in a fairly solid place with the podcast because it's taken a long time to get it there because it is a rocky road for anyone who knows when you're creating for a long time. It can be really exhausting. And 500 podcasts is knackering. <laughs> there are days when I'm exhausted, but it's a good exhausted now because I know that I've been productive and creative. And when I finally pass out and, you know, I've got all kinds of things wrong with me now. I've got numbness in my hands and my arms and, you know, different things from different ways of life. But I've always been able to produce what I think is the best of myself and what I'm capable of on the podcast as of you, as of so many people that have come on and, you know, I, I expect a lot from myself. Anyone who knows me personally will say probably Amir's biggest problem is that he is very much his own critique and he fucking continuously denies himself the opportunity to look back and appreciate what he's done. And I'm still having big problems with that. But now I do stop every now and then and think, that's cool. That's fucking awesome. Oh, Josh Alexander was on the podcast. That's great. I can take that moment before I think, right, who's next? And like, I'm think, just enjoy that because that's on YouTube and people can see that for years to come. You made that, you know, it was Josh Alexander who messaged me and was like, Hey, can I come on your podcast? I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, you can, sir. Um, and that's down to hard work and respecting the business while still being honest about it. I never, ever, ever want to compromise who I am and pretend that everything's sunshine and lollipops just because it might garner us a bit more of a rating. And that's the other thing I'm really proud of is, Whenever you listen to WrestlePlug, whoever's on it, whether it's me, Steve, Kyle, Jeremy Miller, Spencer, Taylor, Kieran, fuck me. There's been so many people who have come on, Fraz and Ray. And irregardless of those people, um, you will always get 100% honesty in who we are. We don't try and pretend to be anything else. And we don't try and pretend that something's great just because it might garner your interests more. No, you genuinely get the very best and the very most honest versions of us and this is the most honest podcast and i believe that i will hang my hat on that and i will defend that till the end of my life is that no podcast will give you a fresher or more honest take than ours there's always going to be someone who does it better or looks better or gets different or better people on nobody's ever 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 going to be more honest and more real than we are yeah i think that's true i think the the one thing as well that probably has helped with getting interviews and has helped in interviews is we've always, as much as we are honest, particularly when we've talked about indie products, more so than maybe WWE and AEW and the, the kind of real top level mainstream mm. um, product is we try, we, and even when we talk about those, to be fair, we try and find the positives. Obviously mm. if there are negatives and we talk about them and we can be critical about them and honest in our opinions. And I think, you know, again, we've done that with indie shows, but we try and be constructive in our criticism. It's not just, yeah, but it's shit. It's, you know, we give our reasons to why it's shit. We give an idea of what we think would be, you know, would have been better in that situation. You know, we, we try and be constructive and we try and find positives, even in terrible shows, we try and find positives. Solutions. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think it definitely, especially with the indie stuff, you know, we don't just go there with, I've always been very forgiving and I think you have as well when we're covering a 
quite green or inexperienced talent, not had many matches under their belt or making their debut. We've always been able to say, you know, obviously there are things to improve on. It's their first match. They can improve on a couple of areas, maybe list them, but generally try and be quite positive. You know what? For a first match, that was good. You know, because invariably they are, you know, these are talented people. You've got to have a level of talent to get a debut in the first place. I've been there, so Huge. I never want to be that guy who just shits on people now. And I try no. to never shit on someone. If they're a seasoned veteran or they've been doing this for 20 years and they make obvious... Of course. Respect, absolutely, they're getting it. But, you know, like my debut, it wasn't great at all, obviously. But whose debut is? No no wrestler has ever said to me, oh, I had a great debut. My debut was no. fantastic. No one ever says that. But a five-star a classic. Yeah, exactly. That's technical classic in Exeter. Other than obviously the Young Bucks. Yeah, the Young exactly. Bucks had a five star classic. Dave Meltzer was at their debut and gave it a five stars. Dave Meltzer gave birth to the Young Bucks. That's what people don't realize, mate. Like, Dave Meltzer squeezed Matt Jackson out of his manly labia. Five star childbirth. He was actually there writing notes while they were born. Like, Four, four and a half. Ah, the umbilical cord was cut perfectly. 75 stars. 75. Like, just, jeez. <laughs> super kicked the umbilical cord. I, d- I would love the idea that they super kick the labia out of the way to, <laughs> to leave. But, you know, at the same time, like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, I think once I started training and realized how horrible it was and how unfit I was and still am, I then realized, holy shit. They go through so much. And I'm only doing a small percentage of that with beginners lessons and things like that. Let's be honest. The only reason that I ever got on the shows was A, because of the podcast and B, because I had the respect. You know, it was really one of the coolest things. I'll, I'll never and your forget. Size. Huh? Your size yeah, definitely size. helped. And yeah. your size. Yeah, of course. Because yeah, there aren't big guys left really on the Indies. Like, I am actually a very much a dying breed in that regard. And, you know, I, um, but I love the fact that after I wrestled like at Renegade or whatever, you know, guys took the time out, like Tyler Hawk messaged quality wrestling was like, yeah, um, Aaron was on our shows and he was so fucking quiet and so professional and so polite. And I was like, half of that's because I was utterly shitting my pants. But the other half is because I don't want to ever be that guy who just thinks they're better than everybody in the room. I don't. And I knew that I was literally the greenest and worst wrestler in the room. And I wanted to go out there and show that I could show the business respect. And that's why I got opportunities is because I wasn't a twat. And that's a good lesson to anyone watching is that you, anyone can become a wrestler, so to speak, or at least try wrestling in some form or fashion. Just make sure that you're respectful and that you keep your fucking mouth shut when people are talking to you, particularly when guys, like you know freak show i've never learned more than i have from having that match with freak show and then being able to wrestle in front of your friends and your family is actually a real fucking blessing some people never really get a chance to do that or never get to you know achieve a dream and know that their best friend was there to do it in front of that's the most important thing to me is i can always say that people like yourself and ella were there to see me wrestle because that's so much more important than ah oh, i executed this this clothesline and this DDT with proficiency, like that's all very well and good. But being able to actually achieve your dream and know that the people that matter most to you saw it, that is the most amazing feeling in the world. So for anyone watching, I'm 36 and I still dabble in wrestling and I'm still trying to, you know, keep my fitness up so that I can get back to training when the pandemic's gone. You're never too old to at least give your dream a crack. You may not achieve, you may not achieve the ultimate in your dreams, but that doesn't mean you can't still achieve a dream. So give it a fucking go. Give it a go. It fucking hurts. Oh, I- <laughs> I think the one the one thing with you was that you always had like perspective on what you were doing like never at any point when you started you know when you said to me oh, you know you know what I'm going to give wrestling training a go I'm just going to 
join up with a, a training school. I'm going to give it a go. Like, I think it's going to be good experience. It will offer me some insight in the podcast because at least I can, you know, say when I'm saying this guy didn't do this properly, I know why. I know how they didn't do it properly. It isn't me saying it as like a smarky fan. It's me saying, yeah, I've taken that bump, you know, or whatever it is, or I've tried selling or whatever. And, um, you know, for your thing was, it'd be so cool to have a match in front of people. Like, you know, the fact that there is a, a crowd there, like a paying audience or whatever. That was it. One match, that's all you wanted to do. And you've gone on and you've exceeded that because you've had more than, you know, a lot more than one match. Um, and that, I think, is, is really cool. The fact that you didn't go in and be like, oh, I'm going to be rain, main eventing WrestleMania. And, you know, fucking AEW Revolution. Or any of that shit. Like, it was, I'm... I just want to go in, have a match, have an audience there who have paid money and they see me wrestle. Like that would be so, so cool. Um, and ultimately you had got to achieve that particular dream. Like it was never your be all and end all. It was never your only dream or ambition that you had in life or anything like that. It was just, this would be something that'd be so cool and would be a dream to achieve that you've had since you were a kid watching wrestling as a fan. The fact that you got to achieve that in the way that, that you know, you did and exceed it ultimately by having multiple matches I think is really, really cool. And look, there's lots of different ways into to wrestling, like, you know, just going in as a 16-year-old athletic kid who is really good at gymnastics at school and then decides that they can go in and do wrestling. Like, that's a way in. But so is being, you know, fucking massive and someone spotting you on the street and being like, you're huge, please wrestle. And so is, you know, kind of doing a podcast or YouTube show or blogging or whatever it might be. And, you know, saying, look, I've got a, a reasonable following. I'd like to come in and give it a go. And you went in and you trained. You didn't just turn up and have a match untrained. My dog is sneezing. So that might be in the background. Apologies. Stop sneezing. She's not going to stop sneezing. I'll mute myself. Be not butter. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> She's fine now. Um, yeah, no, it was. Uh, so I think that's really cool. I think it's cool that you got to to kind of do that and to live out that dream and then to still kind of maintain, you know what, I've done it, but there's other things that I want to do as well. And there's other things that are more important and, you know, or that you've got more aptitude for or whatever it was you decided um, where that's not going to be your be all, your be all and end all. You're not going to get obsessed and caught up with it because ultimately as you, you know, kind of came to realize like wrestling is, is a very political place can be a very toxic place at times behind the curtain you know, not just in terms of the fan base, like we, we mentioned earlier, but it can be a very, um, you know, it's well documented. Like, you know, everyone who's worked in the industry will talk about it. It can be a very paranoid place. People, you know, are worried about their spot. People are worried about the next booking. They're worried about how much money they're going to make to put food on the table. Uh, you know, they want opportunities to progress. You know, you've got people there on the way down in their career who don't want to be made to look stupid. You've got people on the way up who want to make people, you know, who just want to make themselves look great because they want to get to WWE or wherever uh, or New Japan. And I think it's it can just be a really odd dynamic. Um, and ultimately, everyone wants that little bit of attention, a little bit of a rub, you know, that's going to you know, help their position within the company. And I think for a while, people, you know, could see that the podcast could be advantageous to them in their career. And then for a while, they thought, actually, you know, if... I go on the podcast to make a bit of a tit of myself, it could end up being a little bit detrimental. So, you know, um, people kind of then had the flip view as well. You know, obviously, you know, you interviewed Andy Kilden, head of, you know, the, the, the guy of Rev Pro, booker, promoter, owner, everything else that you want to call it under the sun. 
you know, the guy is a, a huge and very influential figure in Britrest or in, in kind of Britrest's recent boom. Um, he's a very, very clever businessman with the partnerships that he's brought in with, with uh, New Japan, which has been immensely profitable. Uh, and you had what was overall, I think, a very kind of positive interview with him, but also an honest one where you kind of said, look, you know, your women's division maybe hasn't been highlighted in the way that it could be or should be with the talent you have at your disposal. At your disposal. And, um, you know, I don't think it was something that he took too kindly, too kindly to no. uh, in hindsight. He, yeah, the, the business is... It's, a you know, it's not business. just that Vince McMahon is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not just that Vince McMahon is some megalomaniac lunatic and everyone else is just pluckily trying their best to beat the man or any of this other narrative. Like, so many people in the industry are very, you know, it's driven by ego. Uh, it's fueled by, you know, masculinity, really. It can be a very toxic place. It's very competitive, even though it's predetermined. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a very, it's a very, very strange world. And I think one of the things is we as fans sometimes get caught up and think that what we're talking about is uber popular, uber mainstream. And it's like, we're talking about a very niche product. Like when Raw hits 3 million viewers, which is like its maximum viewership these days, that's like 1% of the American population is tuning in to watch Raw on a Monday night. Like it's nothing. <laughs> like it's, it's a really, really small amount, you know. So even established WWE stars can probably walk down the street and only one in a hundred people are going to know who the fuck they are. Yet we still talk about it like it's 1998, you know. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a very weird business. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I've learned so much about wrestling actually as a business and how different it is from the real world. Like, <clears throat> it used to be the biggest part of my world and now I think... Uh, wrestling is just some weird twilight zone that's attached to the rest of the world, and it still is to this day. And until we get the appropriate care and the appropriate professionalism, you're going to have problems. And for me, I don't believe that you can cut a snake in half and now fix everything. I think you need to cut the snake off at the head and restart to regain the trust and the passion for people. I'm fascinated as to how our wrestling landscape is going to look, because obviously there's going to be that initial boom, I think, particularly for mainstream wrestling, um, when <clears throat> fans are allowed back in in droves, you know, 100% capacity and things. And obviously WrestleMania is going to have, I think, about 30% capacity or something like that. But it's interesting to see how it will affect lower level stuff and independent stuff and localized stuff. You know, our, you know, companies like Rev Pro and uh, Reach and places like that that are really good at what they do. Are they going to have the same numbers of audiences? Are they going to have sellouts? Are they going to, you know, because people's passion and people's trust has been hurt a lot. And, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to sit here and say, yeah, people have made allegations against me, which were complete fucking nonsense. But it's quite another when the whole business has to take that hit and know that it's still, to be fair, you'd like to think it's still a large majority of talents that are good people. You know, I don't think at any point that someone like Joey Seven, for instance, should ever have to suffer or have his dreams or his career damaged because of the horrendous actions of other people that he probably trusted just as much as we did. But as an overall positive experience, you know, it, <laughs> I don't think there's much that this podcast hasn't really achieved. Do you think there's anything left for us to do? Um, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, not on the face of it, no, not really, in terms of 
as I say, you know, we've covered so many promotions. We've been to so many, uh, you know, covered so many live shows that we've been to, including you going to, you know, uh, Dynamite and stuff like that. So not really. I mean, other than, you know, you kind of actually monetizing it and earning <laughs> the money, you know, for, for doing it would be great. But in terms of actually, uh, you know, from a creative perspective, then it's difficult to kind of foresee, especially in this pandemic world, man, like it's such a crazy world that we live in. It's impossible to predict what's going to happen next week, let alone, you know, where we're going to be and when we're going to be able to do things. Like it's difficult to say when that, you know, 100% capacity is going to come back, you know, in this country or in other countries around the world. So it's very odd, you know, are people going to be able to travel to next year's WrestleMania, for instance? Like, is that going to be a safe thing that's going to be allowed to happen? Or is it just going to be a domestic audience? Like, we just don't know. Like, everything's so uncertain. So it's difficult to kind of look forward and say, yeah, we definitely can do this. But Obviously, you know, if we managed to somehow win the lottery or something and could go and cover, you know, a WrestleMania or a Wrestle Kingdom, uh, you know, be there live and then talk about it straight after the show, that would be great. And I think that, you know, getting on more great interviews, you know, Josh Alexander is such a good get. He's had so many good interviews over the years. Arrows of Hungary as well. And, um, you know, yeah, that might, WXW. I wanted to mention the Arrows of Hungary, actually, because I think they're still my favourite because that was the first time that we got and also, I feel like we got them before they became very popular. And then all of a sudden, through Rev Pro, yeah, yeah. and they are still to this day two of the best wrestlers in the world. They don't, they've got their own, like, you know, they run the only true wrestling school in Hungary in Budapest. You know, they own Hungary Championship Wrestling. They, uh, you know, they are prodigies, those guys, and their work ethic. And the fact that that interview was done outside McDonald's in Portsmouth, you know, like, and fucking, you haven't lived until you've seen Dover, who is one of the most intimidating men in the history of mankind. He literally looks like, a, he looks like a fucking Eastern Block weightlifter, and that's because that's what he is, he's a powerlifter, you know, and he's just this Eastern Block hitman. He looks like he'd drag you into an alleyway and you'd never come out again. And then he's standing there doing mincy impressions of ELP naked when they used to share hotel rooms together. <laughs> you know, stuff like that is so fucking... <laughs> Podcast, so you know, a podcast is only going to be afforded. It, only our podcast will be afforded an opportunity to do stuff like that. And I'm lucky. I, I've spoken to people who nobody knows, and I've spoken to people that everybody knows. And every single one of those people that's come on, whether they still like me or not, or you know, for political reasons or whatever, don't want to talk to me for whatever reason, I, they've always added something to the podcast. I've never had an interview before. Oh, and it's a shame a couple of them haven't been able to go out because of you know litigation or because of speaking out. That's just the nature of the beast. You learn to deal with those things and accept them. But overall, it's been a really positive experience. And the fact that we've been able to do a little bit of everything is fucking cool. And like you say, I think the only thing that's left, um, other than obviously monetization, which to be fair, it's never been that big a deal to me because if it had been, I would have jacked it in by now. I've been doing it for four years, not really made barely a penny. A few t-shirt sales here and there, and it's been about it. Um, the great thing about it is, and the thing that I probably want to do most is see more foreign wrestling, you know, getting to talk to someone like Kira Kamara and hear about how the French scene's trying to build itself up from nothing. Uh, hearing Dave Francisco talk about, you know, the Lisboa Portuguese Academy and stuff like that. And, you know, knowing that there is actually loads of wrestling out there that deserves more attention and knowing that there are, you know, 
you know, Rising Sun Wrestling in Italy. They get all these world-class wrestlers coming out. You know, the NICs of the world. They get, you know, Mambo and they get progress talent and all kinds of different things like that. And they've got like, you know, a few hundred followers. <laughs> you just think that's so random. And when I went to like Ireland and got to see the School of International Wrestling, you know, and there's there's WWE talents backstage who I can see watching it behind the curtain. You know, I'm in a pokey little gym hall in Bray, County Wicklow, Ireland, which some people say is the home of Irish wrestling. You know, that's where Becky Lynch and Finn Balor are from. And, you know, getting to see that next generation of talent and also knowing that it costs you like 10 euros, but you get to see the world while you do it. That's very cool. I think the final thing for me, if someone asked me, what do you want to do in wrestling? I'd like to be a commentator. I think I'd like the opportunity to be able to use my voice to help enhance the talents actually at shows. I feel like I've got a good cadence for that. I feel like I'm eloquent enough and I believe in myself enough that I have the professionalism and the experience and the knowledge to be able to do that. So, and there's people who have said to me like, you know, oh, it'd be great to have you on comms and that the problem is obviously you don't want to travel for nothing for a hot dog and a hand job, do you? Let's be honest. <laughs> so fingers crossed, you know, there's going to be more opportunities as I become. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the second half this of pandemic has been lonely, mate. <laughs> it's a lonely pandemic. I get a hot dog too. A hot dog as well as a handshake. What is this Valentine's Day? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's just been a really. It's just been mad. It's just been a mad uh, journey. The world's been mad around it. We've talked about stuff that's been going on in the world. We haven't shied away from talking about gun violence in America or yeah, fucking racism and all that kind of stuff that we've talked about because it's kind of dominated the news and it's dominated what's going on in WWE and it's dominated our fan base and you know we've yeah it's just been it's been a really cool and weird journey and you know obviously you gain listeners you lose listeners along the way you get people who check in for a bit and then you know check back out and find something else or fall out of love with wrestling or whatever take a break from it whatever it might be uh and people have been there with us from very very early doors um and are still kind of listening regularly now and and still interacting with us and stuff like that and as you say it's it's kind of given us the opportunity to build friendships at the end of the day we didn't know you know carl's now a regular host on the podcast who started off just listening to the podcast Mm. um you know he was not someone that that we knew or was friends with before the podcast began we didn't know who the fuck he was we would never have heard of him without the podcast um, and the same with Miller and the same with Nick Payne and, and Alex as well. And these are people that now, you know, you've been to sh- a lot of shows too. You've been to show, go to shows with them regularly, uh, are coming on to be regular co-hosts or occasional co-hosts. And that's, that's just really, really cool. And, and I can't think of too many other uh, podcast platforms where that has been the case. And we're so regularly, we've given a, a, a platform and an opportunity for people to come on and be a part of the show you know we've always done interactions and read out every single listener interaction that we were sent in even if they were crap if they were short if they were miller's awful spelling terrible grammar page long essay about like what did you think of raw well and then it just break everything down it was just like a 10 page essay oh jeez I think this is what he's trying to say, but I'm not 100% sure. I've got Arthur to decipher Doom the Americans. I really miss yeah. having Arthur Doom or Clee or yeah. whatever he was called. Whatever you want to call him these days, yeah. 
Yeah, like he had some really great and still does. Like he'll ring me up once in a blue moon and we'll have a chat. And uh, he's, I mean, he's a guy who also was a co-host, actually. He came on and yeah. you know, he was actually really fucking good at it too. And we mm. had a lot of conversations about doing separate entities. We wanted to do a, a transatlantic chat podcast where we discuss the differences in culture between America and Britain and things like that. Like that's that's how good this podcast has been to us uh, in terms of meeting people. And, you know, we've been fair. I'd like to think we've had a fair amount of equality with it too we haven't just cherry picked people who you know sucked our dicks like you know we had miller on and he's a fucking he's a trump lunatic isn't he so i mean i said really <laughs> you fucking white supremacist miller um like ultimately you know there's there's been a real different walk of life from so many people uh i've been chatting to smiley hopefully get her on at some point because she's just fucking crazy and funny and entertaining and you know, I know she doesn't talk to me or get on with me anymore at all, but like even someone like Taylor, I'm still very thankful for the amount of time we had together and the fact that she was on the podcast. Even if you don't like me anymore for whatever reason, I'm still grateful for the time you gave me and the time we had together to do a podcast. So, you know, if that does find its way back to Taylor, you know, I still love her dearly and I'm still thankful that she gave us, uh, you know, the opportunity and we gave her an opportunity and vice versa. And, you know, it, it all helped in the growth of what the podcast is. So, Question is, are we going to make a thousand? That's the big question. <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, I mean, A, it's at the moment, it's entirely dependent on, on you because A, this is your podcast and this is your kind of brand. B, you do all of them. You host all of them. You uh, edit all of them. You upload all of them. So you're actually doing the work that's both kind of in front of the camera and behind the camera, so to speak. Uh, you're doing all the art design and all of that kind of stuff is you single-handedly. So when people say, you know, we've been a co-host, we've done the easiest part, which is come on and chat bollocks for a bit for you to kind of edit together and make sound vaguely entertaining. So um, that's kind of at the moment all on you, just depending on on how it goes and how the will is and how good wrestling actually continues to be, I suppose. Because I think the great thing is with, uh, you know, with you, with us, um, we're not entirely, obviously we love wrestling, but we're not completely wrestling obsessed. That's not the only thing that we're fans of. It's not the only things we've got going on in our, on in our lives. You know, we love music, we love films, we love football and sports and, you know, you love your NFL and all that kind of stuff. So we've got, you know, video games, you've got other stuff going on, uh, you know, that that's, you know, a big priority or big passions for us as well as wrestling. So it just depends how long wrestling kind of carries that, that luster that makes you go, this is something that's happened that I really can't wait to get on and talk about. And I, I guess, you know, how, as I've always said, you know, as soon as it gets to that point of, you know what, this is shit. <laughs> like, I'm not enjoying this at all. There is nothing that I'm enjoying about it. Um, you know, then it stops. But I think the great thing about the podcast is you can take breaks from it. You could stop it for a couple of months and then, you know, come back to it and kind of reactivate it in a way and, and, you know, carry on as and when you want to. I think that's the really cool thing about this, podcast is you've got that freedom to do as and when you please really yeah until last well until the beginning of this week this whole podcast ran off of the ingenuity of me and my friends and a 400 pound laptop that's it like, you know, I've got a microphone here now. I've got a green screen. I've got, I use my phone for better quality video calls and things like that, but I still do it on the tiniest budget. And I'm very proud of that because you can watch a what culture or a cultaholic and there's nothing against those guys, not my cup of tea. Um, but they have actually, I like to think that the quality of what we do is 
vaguely similar to what they do now i feel like we've got ourselves up to a standard where i can take myself seriously and everything around me and at the same time i know that i've done that with a fraction of the support and help the support and help i got was never financially or technologically it was always from people and none more so than yourself mate you know it was very very cool to get you on board and i remember saying very early doors after we'd done only about three or four podcasts saying like yeah you you need to be on here regularly because it was i'd always known from years before from us chatting and meeting at uni and being friends that you were very good at talking and also very fucking honest and raw about what you thought about the world and the first thing that i remember about steve is how unbelievably vicious and candid he was about the world (laughs) and thinking that's fucking cool because there are really few people left who are genuinely genuinely honest about who they are and let people see not only their strengths but their flaws and then they don't become flaws anymore they just become part of that personality and that makeup of somebody so yeah to yourself and to everyone who has helped out and even just listened or if you've downloaded one podcast and you hear this you know that's fucking cool that's really fucking cool. I really overall love doing what I've done. And there's been times where it's stressed me out and given me anxiety attacks or, you know, when you when things are being levied at you that aren't true, it, you know, it's, it's tough. It's hurtful. But for the most part, I've been very blessed and it's actually been a very fun experience and none more so than ripping the everlasting shit out of James Ellsworth's chinless mug every week. So yeah, turned out to time. be a fucking nonce as well, didn't he, allegedly? Allegedly, just for the litigation, obviously, you fucking nonce Ellsworth, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> that'd be great if we just got massive litigation for the 500th episode. <laughs> it's like, yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> said allegedly, fuck yeah, off. we said allegedly, go away. Like, this isn't America. In Britain, we have civilised debates. <laughs> um, well, we used to. <laughs> it is what it is. I, uh, yeah, man. Anything else you want to add, bud? Or should we leave it there? Uh, no, man, I think, yeah, I think that's uh, as, as much as we can talk about the fact that we sucked each other's dicks a bit. And um, yeah, I mean, long way, you know, it continuing for as long as you're loving it, really, at the end of the day. And as long as fucking wrestling is entertaining enough to warrant talking yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it's been a amazing, crazy four years. And as I say, not the shit that's gone on in the world with the Shit that's gone on in wrestling, you know, fucking hell. The, the Dean Ambrose we were watching in 2017 and now we're watching John Moxley. You know, we've lost so many amazing, you know, people from within the industry. You know, obviously, you know, none greater and, 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 than John Huber so recently. You know, that such an amazing, first and foremost, an amazing human being, a great talent at the beginning of his adventure in AEW and kind of actually reigniting his passion and love for wrestling and, and for you know, the art form, if you like. So such a, a tragedy in so many ways. And there's just been so many of them. And um, yeah, we've just, it's been an amazing kind of experience to to see as much as we have. And as much as it's been great to see behind the curtain and have a level of understanding of what goes on. And that's been cool as a fan. I think one of the really cool things has been that sometimes we've actually pulled the curtain kind of back across do you know what i mean like yeah yeah, we've seen enough like we don't need to see everything i don't need to know every political yeah i want to watch it as a fan i i'm not interested in spoilers i'm not interested in dirt sheets i'm not interested in rumors and speculation from you know any source that most of which is unfounded i'm not interested in backstage politics and who are friends and who are not 
I'm not interested in Dave Meltzer's opinions. Like you can sit there and say they're from a, you know, it's the same thing we've always said. It's one very learned, very experienced, very knowledgeable person's opinion that are to be respected, but not taken as gospel. Like, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, it's just been a really, really cool experience. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for you, you know, having me on each time you've had me on other than, to talk about WCW fucking sin from 2001 that can shove itself up its own asshole, quite frankly. I um, even I regretted that, and I specifically picked that because I thought this is you're so such an obnoxious dick about it as well. I know this is shit, but we're gonna watch it. Fuck <laughs> you. And I knew people would pick it. I knew our audience well enough to know they'll pick that because they want to see. Because let's be honest, the most hilarious and most entertaining aspect of this podcast will always be Steve losing his everlasting shit over terrible wrestling. And um, yeah, hopefully when the Steve's gorgeous little soul of a son has grown up, we will have the opportunity to have him on more regularly. He'll be 60 years old and he'll be fucking furious about yeah, John Cena Jr.'s 12-year title run in WWE <laughs> as it's advanced or whatever. Or virtual reality, WWE wrestling, which it'll be at that point. <laughs> Like he sucks, even in 3D, he sucks so bad. Like it'll still be a thing. But um, yeah, fingers crossed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Steve will be back to do Manic Mondays at some point. But it's um, yeah, it's fucking crazy. You'll hear from a lot of other people. Uh, you might hear from them at later episodes, depending on their time, or we might just splice them in for the YouTube. It'll be one big old tribute show. You can listen to it in a big old audio format. I'll put some chunks up on YouTube for people so they don't feel because I know everybody's so fucking you know short attention spans and now they can't be dealing with stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, and I don't blame them either. I wouldn't want to. I don't want to listen to myself at the best of times. So I don't know what anyone else <laughs> thinks for two hours long. But there's a lot more to come from the wrestle plug. I feel like we're now really starting to scratch the surface of what we actually can achieve and particularly with the upgrade in power now that i've got with a brand new pc uh that has really slimmed down a lot of time and coding and power and things of that nature and hopefully that's going to lend itself to better quality content for you guys and hopefully it's going to lend to itself to just more fun as well most of all anyone listening whether you like my opinions or not i still want you to have a bit of fun and i still want this to be an escape from what is ostensibly quite a difficult world to live in particularly right now so Wear a fucking mask. It's not hard, is it? Put a goddamn yeah, no, mask wear, on. Wear a fucking mask. I don't care what your Republican governor says, you piece of shit. Put a fucking mask on. Hey, Japan has been doing it for their entire culture and their entire lives, and they have some of the healthiest and happiest people, and they have some of the best wrestling, and they are so far ahead of us in so many different ways and human rights and things. So just put a fucking mask on. <laughs> It's not that hard. It really isn't. Actually, I got off. Uh, I want my freedom so badly. I, I want the freedom to get COVID because that's the American way. That that is not. I want my COVID and my La Corona. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus, the world's fucked. I don't know. I can't believe we still have so many American fans after the amount of abuse we give them all the time. <laughs> so self-hating now because all of them, it's like Smiley, she just goes on so much about how she hates most of America and I'm like, but you are American. No, I'm not. I'm British. Everyone wants to be adopted by the world. <laughs> That'd be, that's how we advance in the society. In the future, WrestlePlug will be an adoption agency for Americans who want out. That's how it all works. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> WrestlePlug buys an island and people can just assume WrestlePlug nationality. It'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, um, it's been a pleasure, mate. An absolute pleasure. Yeah, I, I, I know that you're a father and you're happy doing that. And I know that's an incredible challenge. And like I said, I urge people to listen yeah, to this podcast because it is, you know, it's amazing to see what Steve has been able to achieve. And also he's done it in the most difficult time frame in the world's history. You know, I, I don't want to have kids full stop. I hate children. If I'm being <laughs> honest, I hate them. Um, <laughs> Apart from Steve's son, obviously he's adorable, but and, and Nick's children as well because Nick will get his fucking knickers in a twist if I don't say that. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, Miller's children could go fuck themselves. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's fucking awesome. But a little part of me will always be selfish and say I am very excited when Steve can come on and chat, even if it's just regularly for Manic Mondays. But the next Manic Mondays, if when it does happen, which may be for many many moons still, uh, will be 1999. WWF so good times to talk about wrestling uh Steve what a great pleasure to have you back on for a podcast mate yeah mate that was fun uh, it was good to uh to have a nice chat and um reminisce mate because uh it's been it's crazy that it's been four years it's crazy that it's been 500 episodes so congratulations on the milestone brother and um yeah here's to keeping on keeping on man yeah Here's to 500 more and me complete. I'm going to be in a wheelchair, like completely ridden by fucking diabetes and all kinds of terminal diseases, like in four years' time. And I'm going to run, wrestle plug 1000, you cunts. Oh, it's been a good time. <laughs> right before I die. No, in my luck, I'll die at episode 999. I'm like, oh, you fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing wrestle plug 1000 for the inner sanctums of Satan's anus. There you go. There's a yeah. Somebody paint that for me and I'll pay you because I can't be asked to do it myself. I've got too much work to do. Um, But yeah. Yeah, good luck with the Arsenal, mate. Good luck. <laughs> By the time people have listened to this, Arsenal... Thank you, I need it. I've had caused a massive upset and beaten those disgusting yids, or they would have got tonked, which is probably more likely what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect we're going to get absolutely battered, mate, but um, hopefully we'll survive relegation. Well, I've quit on Granite Xhaka to get sent off, mate. It seems like easy money for me. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like easy money. <laughs> if he plays, definitely. I'm, I'm all over that. And a derby... No question, no question. But yeah, um, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. No worries, man.